Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We got a live one today, ladies and gentlemen. On the show, somebody who has come back for more, none other than Trey Radel. Uh, I'm Dr. Rashad Richard, welcome to the conversation. Trey Radel is a former Republican Congressman out of the state of Florida and also host of the Trey Radel Show. We've had Trey here uh, before. Brother, good day, welcome, how are you, man? I'm, I'm all right, I, uh, I've been reflecting quite a bit on, uh, on what I know you have too. Uh, and that's conviction of Chauvin in the George Floyd uh, case, a horrific one at that. Are you and I both celebrating right now at least uh, a semblance of a victory? Uh, do you agree with me that what happened to George Floyd was in fact murder uh, by a guy named Derek Chauvin? Without a doubt, and justice was served and it was done by a jury of his peers. Uh, what happened is horrific. I don't think that Derek Chauvin showed up at work thinking he was gonna murder anyone, but there is no doubt in my mind that the jury deliberated, quite frankly, not that long of a time. And I don't think that they needed it after three weeks of watching that video, which was such a key part to this, but also understanding the law that in fact the murder charge was correct, not just manslaughter. Yeah, right now what we have is accountability. We don't have justice yet, the sentencing has not happened. I did not see one person kill George Floyd, I saw four people. I saw four cops kill George Floyd. They were sworn to protect and serve. They were sworn to have a duty and responsibility to protect life. They did not do so, their trials will be coming up as well. And I will reserve my celebration of justice until I see what happens to the rest of his accomplices in this murder. Let me ask you a question about what happens after this? Because Trey, typically we have this instance of tragedy and then triumph. And we think that's the beginning and the end. But the truth is, it doesn't really change anything until triumph becomes policy. And policy is a social contract between the community and government. Let me read some stats to you, okay? 94% of all Americans say that Policing, not criminal justice reform, but policing, police reform has to be a reality. Out of that 94%, 58% of Americans said it has to be dramatic for it to be effective. Now, we can agree that police reform is necessary, but we may disagree on the methodology. So let me ask you first, Trey, what is the methodology? What is the best practice here for police reform? Where the hell do we begin? I mean, why is it that we're looking at a George Floyd for a $20 counterfeit bill 
You can even look at Eric Garner in New York for selling loose cigarettes. I think that it's actually a combination of also the lawmakers. You gotta remember that law enforcement is there to enforce the law that the lawmakers, AKA politicians, put in place. And I think that that, that we are an overcriminalized society. When that comes down to law enforcement, why the hell does it have to be like a military stop in some kind of a war zone every time that somebody gets pulled over? Did you see the army captain who was beat by two Virginia cops? I simply don't know how we or watch this happen. And every time something is escalating, I get that what we're talking about when we watch these videos on the news or social media, the reality is it's a fraction of a fraction of what's happening around the United States at any given moment. But to go more direct to your question, doctor, I think that there's a hell of a lot more than training that needs to go into this cultural training, this and that, because it, it just seems Seems like you got a bunch of type A testosterone jacked up dudes who kind of approach the situation with the same mindset of I'm gonna crack some heads until something happens here. Instead of just a way different approach that I think would be a hell of a lot more civil for all of the United States. Yeah, and you agree it's you got some racist cats in there too, right? You agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's talk about solution. You saw when when you asked that, look, real quick. Yeah. I'm a Republican. I don't, you know what? I get as frustrated with the Republican Party as I do Democrats. Well, why is it that Republicans deny that? Trey, I, I must insert. There are Republicans, mainstream Republicans, not people on the fringes here. I'm talking about mainstream Republicans who will say that systemic bias does, does not exist, that elements of white supremacy are simply a fantasy, they're fictitious. Why would they say things like that? When the evidence is in their face that these biases and prejudices exist in the United States of America and inside of our criminal justice system. The cold hard reality to be critical of both Democrats and Republicans is both parties will play the race card. There is no question about that. But again, you have me, a Republican, a conservative, really more libertarian on your show. And I will say to be critical of the Republican Party that undoubtedly sometimes it's used playing the race card to, to absolutely rally the base or to just be willfully ignorant in the face of the kind of statistics that you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I would go right back to George Floyd. And when we talk about statistics, evidence, it's right there in the criminal justice system. I, I think generally speaking that the words systemic racism tend to be overused. I think that's sad because it, it then kind of takes away from it. But you want to look at systemic racism, look at the criminal justice system. You think that a white boy like me from the suburbs where I was born and raised gets pulled over for some weed in my car, that my ass is gonna be hauled off to jail immediately. I'm gonna be yanked out of the car or threatened with getting beat, no. But again, statistically, when you look at the arrests, of young black males or young Hispanic males, it's overwhelmingly disproportionate to to white kids like myself that grew up uh, uh, watching this happen. The statistics are there and undoubtedly it is systemic racism. And one by the way, that is tangible. You know, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I must note that when you just nodded to the fact that Republicans will use the race card in order to rally their base, they're talking about race from the context of denial, they are denying that racism exists. Are you saying that they're talking like this in order to give cover, at least to some degree, to racists who are actually in the party? 
I think that, that you could definitely find instances like that where you've got some Republican mouth and off like, no, uh, they weren't saying anything racist at all. But I think that deep down, you can undoubtedly find yeah. some Republicans who, who've said these types of things to cover for really stupid, ignorant, or sometimes intentionally hurtful things that other politicians have said. And I think that that's a damn shame. I think that Republicans should start recognizing some of the systemic racism that exists in this country. And I quite frankly, just think it's better for America even more so than just politically. Let me ask you about this because there are solutions on the table, Trey. We talked earlier about what are the solutions, what can happen? Well, Republicans are not really offering solutions as it relates to policing or criminal justice reform. But you do have a solution on the table. You have right now the George Floyd Policing Act. Do you agree with the elements of the George Floyd Policing Act? Okay, first, first of all, real quick. Okay, I don't know all of the elements of that. I'd love to return to it. You can absolutely slam me, peg me, hit okay. me with the questions. All right, let me read something. That. Let, but, let me be no, fair. no, please, please, though. I want to, I want to say, look, I did, I, I spent time in the United States Congress serving a, a part of the state of Florida here, and long before criminal justice reform was kind of the cool in vogue thing for Republicans to do, I worked hand in hand with the Congressional Black Caucus to get that ball rolling all the way back in 2013. And I'm very proud of the work I did with them on federal guidelines, mandatory minimums, and more working with a nonprofit called FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I would ask you to please recognize that there have been elements of the Republican Party that are very libertarian like I am. I'm so far right that sometimes I meet the left in the way that I think the war on drugs is not only a catastrophic failure, but it's part of that systemic racism that's been locking up young black men for decades now and ruining their lives generations to come, including the kids that they eventually have. But there have been Republicans that have worked extensively with Democrats on criminal justice reform. I was just one of them long before the ball really got rolling. The Floyd stuff, please ask away. I don't right, know. And Trey, man, uh, listen, I appreciate yep. that about you. I really do. But remember what I said earlier. It's as if we go from tragedy to triumph, and then it doesn't equate to policy. And if we don't change policy, if we simply say, "Oh, it was horrible what happened to George Floyd. It was really bad what took place with Breonna Taylor. If it never meets the place of policy, you know what happened? You know what happened, Trey? We'll go from tragedy Nothing. to possible triumph again. Tragedy to possible triumph again. We need policy. Now, there's yep. something on the table. Let me read some of this to you, okay? Here's what the George Floyd Policing Act would do if adopted and supported by members on the right, members on the left already supported. It would provide grants to state attorney generals to create an independent process to investigate police misconduct. Do you have a problem with that? Not at all. It would establish a federal registry of police misconduct complaints and disciplinary actions. It would create a federal database of cops who have been bad actors. Do you have a problem with that? No, I don't. These are agents of the state, even if we're talking about the individual states. And unfortunately, there's been no communication between departments. When you've got a rogue bad cop that comes from another department that gets hired, it's like, oh, well, we didn't have the paperwork. Well, on well, listen, agreed. Cool. And that's this federal registry totally. seeks to stop some of that back and forth of, of a bad police officer. So that's in the bill. Um, it requires federal uniform police officers to wear body cameras. You agree with that, correct? Yes. Um, it restricts the transfer of military equipment to police departments. Do you agree with that? 
I think that you get into a tricky issue there with defining what military equipment is. And when you've got a few examples of, well, let's take a look at the summer of 2020 when cities around the United States were dealing with an insane amount of rioting and looting. I don't know what defines military equipment when it comes to what type of vehicles they may have that are coming Let me give you another easy one. But I do think though that the these around the United States in major cities and even rural areas have been way over militarized. Yeah, all right. So we kind of agree on that. Um, let me go to uh, the fact that this would require police training to include anti-discrimination training. Would you agree with that? I do, yeah. I think that any kind of cultural training in any way, shape or form, very quick example of where I live. Uh, <clears throat> that one of the uh, uh, the sheriff's offices trained to know the differences. I'm about to get a little into the weeds here, but hang with me as a dude who's traveled 50 different countries around the world. The difference between going to interact with, for example, in our rural parts, a Guatemalan in, uh, a Guatemalan immigrant to this country mm-hmm. versus a Haitian immigrant, and how they literally physically talk. We know culture to culture. There's the old jokes about how Italians communicate, how Germans communicate, and that's that is very similar with some of the migrants that come to this country, and the the police officers, rather the deputies, learn that when they're going to approach someone, they're physically going to be seeing different characteristics just because of culture. These are little tiny things that can help. You know, a young officer who only knows the rural part of Florida where he or she grew up all their lives. These types okay. of little things can de-escalate immediately. Listen, man, I, I got you on that. All right, um, I really need cops to also figure out how to not kill unarmed black people. I, I need them to figure that part out I think as well I while they're in the process of doing all of these other things. Let me ask you one more element about the George Floyd Policing Act. It would also ban chokeholds. You agree with that? Yes, I do. And in fact, most of the law enforcement I've spoken with say it's not needed, that there are many other ways that they can use non-lethal force. All right, here's the thing, Trey, and this is where the disconnect happens. And I really want you to take this to your Republican comrades. You actually agree with over 90% of the George Floyd Policing Act. What I just read to you were the elements of the act. Now, even though you've seen the George Floyd murder, you agree with the conviction. You can acknowledge the requirement, the necessity to transform policing. You have not taken the time, brother, in all due respect, to just read the policy that's connected to the tragedy. And when I took the time to read to you the policy, which is opposed by 100% of your colleagues in the Congress, you actually agreed with over 90% of these policies, and you, in fact, are a conservative yourself. You don't think there's a massive disconnect in in politics in this country. So I've only read what the newspaper, newspapers, and/or you know the TV news has has put out there, and that's why I say that I have not specifically read the bill. When I read bills, I dive into them. With respect to this, though, I do have one question for you. Does that, brother? I didn't catch that. You kind of went in and out. Say that again. Sorry. One question I have for you is, does that bill end qualified immunity? It does. Yes, that's I agree with that. Killer. I do not agree with ending qualified immunity for men and women who are tasked to make a decision in a split second. <laughs> in a 16th of a second, 
their life can change by what whatever decision that they make in a life or death decision wow. to protect a suspect's life to protect their own life or to protect innocent civilians around right. them. Let's go and there, brother. What qualified immunity does is say, you may make this decision in the best interest. Everybody, if we decide, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking your decision that you've made in a high stress life or death <laughs> situation. Okay, Trey, I only have a limited amount of time. You're wired. All right, and Trey, I have a limited amount of time, and your feed is going—it's—it's it's choppy. I don't know if it's on my end or your end or what. Uh, but let's talk about qualified immunity. You decided uh, to go down that rabbit hole. I will go down that rabbit hole with you. Didn't think we were going to talk about this, but let me be very clear about what qualified immunity is. First of all, police officers have not always enjoyed the benefit of qualified immunity. Number one. So what did cops do before? The advent of qualified immunity—they still did policing, and they did policing based on fair and reasonable practices. And if they were unreasonable and unfair, they got penalized for that both personally and the department they represented was penalized as well. But do you know where qualified immunity started? You know why, Trey? At what point it started for each and every state or local jurisdiction. But do you know why the first qualified immunity law got passed, do you know? I do not. I can certainly understand the justification. Okay. So let me let me go ahead and educate you on please do where it first came from. Qualified immunity was a law passed in southern states during the Freedom Rides, and this law was passed in order to give cops immunity, personal immunity, when they decided to beat up children who were part of the freedom rise during the civil rights movement. That was the first onset of your qualified immunity laws in this country. The origin of it was to protect white male cops from vandalizing, terrorizing and beating up black children. Did you know that? No, but it's really a a terrible situation that a bunch of Democrats passed those laws. (laughs) <laughs> and if it's and and if it's a terrible situation, and for me, it's not partisan. I I don't care about those Dixiecrat racists who passed the law. They are horrible people who passed that law. Okay. The bottom line is qualified immunity is a is a bad protection for those who operate in bad faith. That's the bottom line. Okay. Listen, I'm with you, but but Floyd and the decision the what the jury deliberated on on. And found him guilty. What we're talking about with qualified immunity is somebody's civil protections, whether or not they make a life or death decision within a fraction of a fraction of a second, and then boom, their house, their car, their assets, their husband or wife stuff. Yeah, that's true. Your data's wrong. Your data's wrong. Ninety-eight percent of cases that fall under qualified immunity are not life and death decisions. These are cops simply violating the rights of individuals. The vast majority never end in death, and they're not life and death. Uh, decision. So you can't use that data uh, in order to justify it because the vast majority of it doesn't even require a life or death uh, decision at all. But let, let me go to another point because you wanted to also talk about um, defund the police. Let's talk about that. Are you a defund the police guy or on the other side of that <coughs> argument? 
Let me give you so let me give you a political assessment of how I would have advised Democrats from the beginning. Using the term defund the police doesn't work well with even some of the farthest left of their constituency. Especially when, again, what's either what has happened this past year with COVID, the lockups, the looting, the people losing their freaking minds. What I would suggest is instead of talking about defunding the police, what it really comes to is what you and I talked about earlier in this segment. And it's about reassessing how we're policing, reassessing types of to Eric Garner in New York selling loose cigarettes ends up dead. George Floyd, a $20 counterfeit bill ends up dead. This is nonsensical and it needs to be dealt with in radically radically different ways and this is coming from an you know a registered republican using the word radical on how we shift our policing in the way that it's performed in this country from the top to the bottom with the lawmakers and the politicians over criminalizing society to the way that law enforcement enforces it or sometimes shouldn't even be there at all okay so let me explain to you why defund the police is accurate and also a good movement. Uh, defund the police simply means to reprioritize the police budget. Uh, 25%, 25% of all crimes based on the Bureau of Statistics, Bureau of Justice Statistics says that all crimes, 25% of all crimes are related to drug and alcohol addiction. Okay, drug and alcohol addiction contributes to 25% of the crime in the United States of America. That's just one data set. Now, do you believe that you're going to arrest yourself out of socioeconomic dysfunction? Of course not. You don't arrest yourself out of, out of that problem. Defund the police simply means you take some of that overbloviated police budget and you reallocate it to actually start addressing the underlying issues that lead to criminality, such as addiction, poverty, mental health disorders, crimes of survival. If you can do that successfully, you don't have the need to have more police officers on the street, brother. Anytime a city says we hired more cops, that city has failed the community because all they're really saying is this. We don't know how to deal with crime in this city, so we hire more cops to make you feel safer. And the truth is, we have hired more cops in the history of our nation than ever before. Cops are getting paid more than ever before, and crime is still increasing all across the country. It ain't working, brother. And until they figure that out and defund some of that money and put it back into the community and address these underlying issues, you're gonna have the repetition of police arrest and no justice. I'll let you get the last word, man, you got 20 seconds. I'm with you 100%. I just was so talking about earlier. So you agree with the police then? I agree. I, I think that using that term as a Democrat is a, a pretty terrible way uh, to try to win over the United States. Everything that you just said though, I guarantee you, you sit down with the most hardcore white Republican conservative and you can sell them on a hell of a lot of what you just said. Not only fiscal conservatives, but social conservatives. And that's why sometimes I will wrap with. I Trey, think I'm more liberal than times the most liberals. We need to end the war on drugs right now. Brother, I agree, man. I appreciate your time, Trey Raider. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank, Thank you. you.